joyful we adore Thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before Thee, opening to the sun above. Thank you for joining us for this program from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Today, as I know as we come into today, everybody is eagerly anticipating the weather over the next 48 hours. I kind of made a joke, sent some comments to some teachers between the, the weather that we had Friday, the day off tomorrow for the holiday, and then the potential winter storm that's coming in. Uh, some of these teachers have prayed very hard to not have to work this week. As if three weeks off at Christmas wasn't enough, you get our kids for two days, and then go, just kidding, just kidding. Y'all get to keep them at home another week. How many of you are, are eager, e- eagerly awaiting, maybe even worried about the weather over the next couple of days? Anybody worried about the weather the next couple of days? Good, because this morning we're going to talk about how not to worry. How not to worry. And, and Man, as, as I've been getting ready for this lesson this week, we're in the middle of this series on uh, questions Jesus asked, and very quickly as I was coming up with some different stories and text uh, for this lesson, this particular idea came up, and, and I have spent a lot of time uh, thinking about it and, and trying to really wrap my mind around it because worry, um, when we get into Scripture and talk about not worrying, Scripture telling us not to worry, even Jesus asking His apostles, why do you worry? You kind of want to be like, well, li- li- live a day with me, and you'll see why I worry. Just experience the life that I'm experiencing, and you'll understand why there is concern and anxieties in my life. And if anybody had a reason to worry, if anybody had a reason to be anxious as Jesus was living his life and approaching the cross, it would have been him. And yet he still didn't fall into a lot of worry. But as we get into our text this morning, from Matthew chapter 6, I believe we're going to see that a lot of our worry in our life is maybe brought on by just ourselves because of our focus and the direction that we are living and looking in our life. I want to start with this particular idea this morning as we really get into our text, kind of to set it up, and that is the American dream. The, the American dream is a wonderful concept in our country, right? And it's the idea that every citizen of the United States should have an equal opportunity to achieve success and prosperity through hard work, determination, and initiative. That, that's, that's a great statement, isn't it? Basically, this is what the American dream is, and, and hopefully you can see these pictures as they pop up. This first picture here is says apartment for rent, open house, and that kind of, in our discussion this morning, that's going to represent kind of the beginnings of, of our work life, the beginnings of of. of of our American dream. And, and we, we rent this apartment and, and we live in this apartment and we go and we get a job. And as, as maybe our, our income increases, we take the next step up the ladder and we buy ourselves a nice, not how the neighborhoods here in Haleville look. I thought this was just a really pretty picture to kind of represent that next step in life. It's, it's your first house. You're responsible for everything in the house. Everything is yours. You're not connected or attached to, to the neighbors. You don't hear the neighbors, you know, through your walls because you share walls. And then the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal is is the mighty mansion, right? The ultimate goal is the mighty mansion. And maybe in a very broad way, this is the idea 
of the American dream. That that last picture right there, that if that's what you want, if that's what your desire is out of life, if you work hard enough, if you are dedicated enough, if you give all of it that you can, you can accomplish that. You, you, you can get to where you want to be by hard work and determination. But when we achieve success, now follow me here, when we achieve success and prosperity through hard work, determination, and initiative, we tend to focus on our success and the prosperity that comes from that. And then that creates for us as Christians, it creates a problem. It goes from the American dream and becomes the Christian struggle. And that's really what Jesus is going to talk about this morning in our text. He says that success and prosperity that lead to wealth determine, or I'm sorry, demand our time and attention, often to the exclusion of spiritual concerns. Now, I want us to be clear about something this morning as we're talking about this, that Scripture never says that success or, or, or monetary earnings or being wealthy is ever sinful, but he's going to talk about what happens when that becomes our focus. And, and really the idea here that he's going to, this just, 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 this just kind of sums up everything we're going to talk about, is that when we focus on our success, when we focus on what we have done, it takes time and attention away from the important spiritual things in our life. Here, here's an example of what I mean by that. Let's start back in the apartment for rent. When you live in a little apartment, you know, starting out, maybe that's where you are. You don't have any responsibilities other than what you're paying rent for within those walls. And really, when you're paying rent a lot of times, when something tears up, when something happens, you don't have to worry about finding someone to fix that. Your landlord takes care of that for you. But then you move into your, your first house of all your own, and now you've got some shrubbery up front that you've got to take care of. You've got the yard in the back that has to be dealt with and taken care of. And then, you know, that takes more time. That takes more effort. That takes more energy. Then you get your, you know, the dream house, everything you've ever wanted. And everybody, just about everybody I've ever known that has a pool says, you know what I wish I didn't have? A pool. And then everybody who doesn't have a pool, what do they want? So I just make friends with people who have pools. That seems to work out, seems to work out well for us. But look at, look, at the, look at the mansion, how much work and effort and time has to go in to keeping all of that up and all of that taken care of. And that's really what Jesus is fixing to talk to us about from Matthew chapter 6. He says, focusing on the stuff leads to stress and worry in your life. Focusing on the stuff leads to stress and worry in your life. So let's take our Bibles out. You can follow along here or also in your Bibles. And we'll start in Matthew chapter 6 in verse 18, I believe. That's where we're going to be. Verse 19, okay? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he starts out and he says, look, here's your focus in life. 
Here's your focus in life. You need to make sure that you are investing. He's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount here. Let's maybe rewind for a second. He's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount here, his first big moment of teaching in his ministry, and he's laying out the kingdom principles. He's laying out kingdom principles here and what his kingdom is going to be about. And so he gets to our, our section here that we're reading, and he begins to talk about where is your focus. And he says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Do not make things of the earth, gaining, earning things of this earth, the most important thing to you. Because, and especially in, in, in this particular day and time, you know, it was easier for your wealth, for your possessions to be to, to be taken. It was easier for them to be destroyed. You have all this stuff tied up, all your effort tied up into things, and, and they could be taken away from you in an instant. He said, but rather store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where nothing can destroy that, where nothing can cause problems with that. And then he tags it with such an important point here. He says, for where your treasure is, what you're focused on, what you're investing in, what you're striving after, there there your heart will be also. What you spend your time doing shows where your true love lies. Basically, he's telling us, you can't take it with you. You need to be investing where you are going to go, where you're going to be forever. And if you fast forward to the book of Timothy, and I love what Paul writes in the book of Timothy as he's trying to encourage Timothy to encourage the church members in Ephesus, he he writes these words. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I know I've been asked before, and, and, and I've had this question. It's a fair question. When Jesus says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, what does he actually mean? And Timothy, or rather Paul to Timothy, he fleshes this out. He starts out and he says, hey, there are going to be some people everywhere you go that are rich. And I would challenge you this morning with the idea that all of us are rich. All of us are rich. We are sitting in a, in a very, very wonderful room this morning that most Christians around the world will never get to it. They would walk into a room like this and just be in awe of this room, of this space. We are just so used and accustomed to this idea that if it's just the slightest bit cool, cooler in this room, let's just rewind back to the summer, back when the it was so hot and the air went out in this room. How many of you were uncomfortable because it was 75 degrees in this room when it's 110 outside, right? So, I mean, we, we, we are, our idea, our idea of rich in America is completely different than what Paul is talking about to the church in Ephesus through Timothy or what Jesus is talking about. I would challenge you this morning that when he talks to those who are rich, he is talking to everyone in this room this morning. And so he tells us, he says, command those who are rich in this present world that we're not to be what? Arrogant, nor to put our hope in our wealth. Don't make that the most important thing because wealth is so what? Wealth is so uncertain. 
You never know if you're going to have it today or if it's going to be gone tomorrow. But how do we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven then? He says, command them to do what? To do good? With, to do good with what? To do good with their riches. To do good with their riches. To be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. So here's the idea. We may not be able to take it with us, but we can send it ahead of ourselves. That's what he's telling us. You can't take it with you, but you can go ahead and send it there. And the idea here, he says, because what we're going to do, we're going to lay up a firm foundation for the coming age. When I read that this week, man, the, the song that came to mind was, or two songs, Mansion, Robe, and Crown was one of them. And oh, what's the other one now that same, same, say, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below. What's that song? Come on. Mansion Over the Hilltop. Okay. So those two songs, I've sung that song in my head all week, and I just couldn't remember the name of it. But I'm satisfied with, you know, just a cottage below, but I want a mansion, a robe, and a crown, right? So what he's saying here is as you are doing good deeds with the things you've been blessed with, basically you're building the foundation of your what? Of your mansion. You're investing in that. Those are the things, the more you invest here, the more your mansion is built on the other side. Now, that's a very vibrant view this morning that I hope you can, can latch on to. But it goes back to this idea. For where your treasure is, what? There your heart will be also. If your treasure is invested in people, if your treasure is invested in your brothers and sisters in the kingdom, your heart is invested in that place. And so then we jump into this passage, and, and as I was studying and reading, you know, it'd be real easy to just jump in and start with this particular section in, in most of our Bibles that say, don't worry. But that word, therefore, is a really important word because he says, I've said all of that so that I can say this. So to understand really what he's wanting us to understand, you have to go back and read the, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Therefore, I tell you, so as we're trying to figure out where our heart is, he says, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So where does he start? First off is he says, do not worry. Worry in this particular passage means do not be distracted, okay? Do not be distracted by a part of something that is incomplete or out of sorts. How many of you, let me ask you this question this morning, how many of you have arthritis, arthritis this morning? How many of you have felt your arthritis the last couple of days as the storms have kind of gone through the other day and as cold weather's coming through? I've got three or four spots, discs in my back that have already started developing arthritis. And when that storm came through Friday, boy, my back hurt. My back hurt. But I was, I was trying to, you know, some different things about why it hurts and how, and I never can really just figure out why really you hurt when, when the weather changes, but maybe someone can, can allude and enlighten me with that later. But I was letting what? A very small thing. Did the rest of my body hurt or just that little spot in my back? Just that little spot in my back, right? And so I was focused on that. The one thing that's out of sorts that distracts you from everything else that's going well. Interestingly enough, the word peace in the Greek or from scripture means everything in place. 
So they are really polar. A piece is when we take that one thing and put it right back where it needs to go. So he says, don't worry. Don't get distracted by the few things that might be out of place. But he, he gives us some specifics here. He says, don't worry about your life, eat or drink, your body, or what you will wear. And I, I kind of set my Bible down when I was reading this and kind of thinking about this, and I thought, well, that's just pretty much everything about our life, right? Don't worry about anything that you normally worry about. He says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about the events of the day, what's going to unfold, right? How many of you worry about the events of the day? A lot of us worry about the events of tomorrow. He's going to talk about that. How many of you worry when you worry, you're worrying not even about something that's happening today, you're worrying about something that might happen or could happen later, right? So he says, don't worry about your life. Then he says, don't worry about what you eat or drink. When I hear him say that, I hear him say, don't worry about your needs. Don't worry about your needs. How many of you already thought this morning, what, we're 30, 37 minutes into services here. How many of you have already wondered and thought, where are we eating lunch? Okay, Brian, Patty, Kevin, my, my kids, we already discussed it on the way to the car this morning. I mean, we're not even like... We're still eating breakfast, walking out the door, and we're like, are we going to go eat Mexican or are we going to go eat 13 Grill? Now, that, you're not a Valentine, though, if you're not worried about that, right? I've told you before, my granddaddy told me, you worry about breakfast, lunch, and dinner, everything else falls into place the rest of the day. So that's what I'm trying to pass on to my kids. But he said, your, your needs, those, those, those just core things in your life, don't worry about them. Don't worry about if you're going to have them or if you're not going to have them. Don't worry if they're out of sorts or out of place. He says, your body, our flesh, it wears out. Our flesh, it wears out. How many of you know how many, Stephanie, how many bones are in the body? Do you know? Can you remember off the top of your head? 206. Of those 206 bones in our body, my three or four vertebrae that have this arthritis that have hurt the last few days represent 1.4% of all the bones my body. Yet they have gotten all of my mental attention when they start to hurt, right? And I'm twisting and I'm turning. And I think that's so, so indicative of how we live our life and worry about so many things that the smallest things cause us the biggest worries when the majority of things are still going great and going well. And especially with our bodies, we, we live to live, don't we? We live every day to try to make sure we're living tomorrow. And we spend so much time and so much effort and we try so many different things, okay? And we try things to look younger. We try things to look skinnier. We try things to be more healthy. We try, we try all of these things. And he says, don't worry about your body. Understand that it's going to wear out. He doesn't say don't take care of it. He says what? Don't worry about it. Don't obsess about these things. And then he says, don't worry about what you will wear. Anybody this morning walk around their uh, closet this morning and made the statement of, I have nothing to wear this morning? Anybody think that, thought that? Yeah. But yet we have what? Tons to wear. Do we not? We have, when we really think about it. But man, these are the things that we truly worry about all the time. And he says, do not let this be your attention. Don't worry about these things. Listen to this. It's important not to get too wrapped up in the temporary aspects of life that you forget the eternal. Avoid investing all your time, energy, and resources into fleeting things. 
fleeting things. I was talking to a, a good friend of mine the other day, Greg Smith, and he was talking about a minister friend of his, and I thought this was, a, he, we weren't really even talking about the lesson, but he was just telling me the story, and he said that his friend, Joe Monday, had gone to speak at a gospel meeting, and it was the first gospel meeting they were having in this brand new church building that they had built. It was the, the homecoming, everybody was invited back, and they were so proud of it. They were so proud of this new facility, and they're walking this preacher through the building, and they're telling him all about it, telling him why they built this and why they built that. And he said, you know what? That's, that's awesome. That, this, this place is beautiful. He goes, but you know it's going to burn one day. And he said, the elders just kind of looked at him funny, and he goes, let's not get too wrapped up in the building that we forget the people that are going to fill it up. The fleeting things. As much as we love this facility, what's going to happen to this facility when the Lord comes back if, if it's still standing at all? It's going to what? It's going to burn up. What are we supposed to be investing in, each and every one of you? We can't neglect the bigger picture because of the things of this world. He goes on, he's going to say, this is why you don't worry, okay? He's fixing to paint this picture of how awesome God is, and he's going to use an old Jewish teaching method of lesser to greater, Okay, and we are going to be the greater. And he's going to take lesser things to prove that the greater is taken care of. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? I, I, I know the bird, he uses birds, but at our house, it's squirrels. I mean, you have squirrels at your house. I mean, there's a lot of birds at our house too, but I think about, I think about the squirrels. I mean, they, 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 they're everywhere, and they're not worried about next year because who's taking care of them? God's taking care of them. The birds of the How many of you feed the birds? How many of you feed birds? Like, you're taking care of them, right? And he's saying, look, if, if they're just taken care of, God's, God takes care and makes sure they've got everything they need. They are less than you. How much more important are you than they? God's going to take care of all these things that you worry about. Okay, all these things that you invest in that you're trying to make sure you've gotten, you've got taken care of, God's going to take care of those because you're better than the birds. Can any of you, he goes, then he says, can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? Now, some of your Bibles, there's, there's a couple of different ways this word, this verse is translated because of some words within it. Some of your Bibles are going to say, can add a cubit to your stature. Some of it's going to say any length to your life. But there's, there's some different words that they translate different ways. But I, I kind of do like the idea of add a cubit to your stature because it falls into the idea of don't worry about your body because what it tells us, he's asking a kind of a rhetorical question that once you get as tall as you're ever going to get, can you, can you ever make yourself taller? Even if you're, even if you're a kid, okay, our kids that are growing, can they make themselves any taller? No. Who takes care of all of that? Who has control of all of that? God does. And then even this way, he says, and it's kind of the same concept, no matter which way it's translated, how many of you can add a single hour to your day, right? To your life. How many of you would add hours to your day if you could to get things done? Then how many of you would be like, oh, I'm ready to take some of these hours away and let's just not, not worry about them, right? I love this. And why do you worry about clothes? The extras in life is really really where I think he's kind of getting, especially as we read this. The extra things that we concern ourselves with fashion-wise. He says, see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor 
was dressed like one of these. How many of you have ever just been driving and you just see this beautiful field of wildflowers? Does it not get your attention every time? Yes, it gets your attention every time. And he says, look, they don't do anything. They just grow. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? This less to greater, God's got you. God's got all of this under control. All the, be- the beauties of the world that God has created, most of which we will never even see, but he's created it. And he said, if God's going to clothe the world and take care of those things, he is much more going to take care of your needs. And it's such a wonderful thing and place to be. But then he reminds us why we need to understand this. He says, for the pagans run after all these things. The world runs after all of these things. And if we act like the world, we're never going to act like the church. If we are concerned with the same things that the world is concerned with, we're never going to be concerned with the things that God wants us to worry with. So do not worry because God is going to attend to you. Take pride in you and do his best for you. That's his promise to you from this passage. But also understand that God wants us at peace and not preoccupied with getting so that we can respond to his giving. When we are so focused on making sure that we are providing for ourselves, when God's blessings show up, we don't even recognize them. We don't even recognize them. Because where is our focus? Our focus is on the American dream. It's on making sure we do what we have to do to move up, to get what we want, to get to the next rung, to to make the next accomplishment. And we're so focused on our own way of providing stuff that when God blesses us with his amazing stuff, we don't even recognize it because we're so preoccupied with getting that we miss his giving altogether. So why does he say here? How does he wrap all of this up? He says, but seek first his what? Say it, seek first his and his. So seek first everything of God, right? Seek first everything of God and all these things will be given to you as well. I love the word given there. I love the word given. Why? Because it's like God's just showing up and going, here, you need this. Take this. Here, I noticed this about your life. I'm, I'm providing for you. And, and, and it's, it's, you, don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to work for it. He said, you're worrying about me. You're focused on me. So I'm going to take care of you. All right, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not... Let's try that again, right? Y'all might not want to say this. I get it because it's one of the hardest commands in Scripture. I understand. Therefore, do not, say it again. Therefore, do not, do not worry about tomorrow. How many of you are already worried about tomorrow because of the weather, you're concerned? I get it. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Don't take yesterday's problems and make them tomorrow's issues, okay? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, of its own. So just focus on God and take care of the kingdom. But that brings an interesting question. How do we seek first the kingdom? So as I started this lesson, 
prep and, 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 and writing some things down. And I kind of came up with this idea of kind of wanted to talk about the American dream at the first. I started looking up some articles on how to accomplish the American dream. And there was some interesting things there that I found, but I came across this one particular article that he gave, and, and I love these. They're just made for preaching, right? Ten Steps to Accomplishing the American Dream was the name of it. You can't get any simpler and any better than that right there. You give me a list, and I'm ready to go. But the more I read this article, I thought, man, this this will preach. This is I can, I, can, I can decide myself. I can either go after the American dream with these things, or I can seek first the kingdom of God. And I'm going to hit you with them very quick. Ten things. There's some, we could add scripture to them, and I've got some scripture for them, and you can add scripture to them, but I just want to very quickly hit on these things to give you something to think about. The first thing is be accountable for your current situation. Understand that when you, are, when you sin and when you are in a bad situation in life because of your own choices, really to receive forgiveness for that, you You've got, to, you've got to be accountable for that. You've got to say, God, I've messed up, and I'm ready to do things your way. If we're going to seek first the kingdom, I've got to be accountable for my own sins in my life and not blame other people. I have to control my circumstances. In other, in other words, put myself in spiritual situations as often as I can. As often as I can. Paul, at the end of 1 Thessalonians, says to stay away from the appearance of evil. All right. So keep yourself in circumstances and situations that are that are holy. Get off of social media. Now he he says he says this, and I, and I like the way he says it. Not as in social media is bad, but don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. If you're working, and this was his point, if you have a job and you have you're on the clock and you're responsible for a job, the last thing that your boss wants you doing is standing there playing on your phone, sitting there playing on your phone, right? Cuz you're not being productive. He says be productive. But I think about the same thing. Be pro- don't be distracted by every little thing in the world because social media will drag you down rabbit holes and get you distracted on all the things he says not to worry about. He says you have to really want it. And that's so true about our faith. You have to take up your cross daily. You have to decide this is what I want. God's not going to make you. You have to really want this. Be bold. In our world today, God's not calling us to be quiet Christians. He's calling us to be outspoken disciples and spreading his word. He says, go into all the world and teach. Go as you go, as you're living this life, proclaim my message. Don't get wrapped up in the, in the, in the, the, the hair splitting things. And, and listen, we're going to have issues in a church family. We are. We're not all going to agree on things. But he says, don't let that be your focus. He says, as you go, just teach the gospel. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. You just go and be bold for me. I love this statement. Are you a renter or an owner? And his point here was renters have the ability to pack up and leave. They have no stake in what's going on. Owners, it's their problem. Something happens at my house, whose problem is it? It's mine. If I'm renting something, if something happens at that house, whose problem is it? I mean, I have to deal with the initial issue, but as far as solving the problem, paying for the problem, it's not mine. I'm not that invested in it. I'm just, I'm just temporarily living here. As church members, we have to ask ourselves this question. Are we truly invested in the kingdom? Are you a renting Christian that could say, hey, I can take it or leave it? Or are you truly an owner? And you may say, everybody wants to jump up and go, oh, I'm an owner. You know how you prove you're an owner? You're involved. 
you're busy. When we have ministries that need help, you're the first to sign up. When we have challenges that are faced, instead of complaining about something, you're praying about something. When we have people that are sick, you're calling, you're checking. Okay, when you know that maybe someone's having a bad day, you're encouraging. Are you truly an owner in the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ family? Do you act that way? Do you, do you engage with your church family members just as they are family, not enemies? not someone that you just go to church with, but true family. I believe most Christians, if they were honest with themselves, would have to say, I'm a renter, because they're not acting as if they have a stake in everything that goes on. And that's kind of a problem in in Southern Christianity. That's the problem in Southern Christianity, because if you don't like what's going on here, you know what you can do? You just go to church somewhere else. There's plenty of them around. I would be interested to know how many churches are within 30 miles of this building. If you don't like what's going on here, I'm not invested. I'm just going to go somewhere where I like what's going on. It's not what he says to do. It's not what Paul says to do. It's not what Jesus says to do. He says you work through things. You solve problems. If you think something's unscriptural in a loving, brotherly way, you, you, you address those things. But he says also, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Be an owner in this church family. This one, man, this one grabbed me so hard this week, and I thought this could be a whole series in and of itself. Get rid of your current friends. I'm not saying that you have to do that right now, but the point is, as you may be running with people, who's, if their goal is not to help you get to heaven, are they really your friend? You know, we, we need to surround ourselves with people who are moving in the same direction. I'm not saying that we don't befriend people for the purpose of trying to bring them to Christ. I'm not saying we alienate ourselves, but I'm saying if you're running with a group of people who are not running toward Jesus and you're trying to live for Jesus, more than likely you're going to run away from Jesus with them. So to really seek the kingdom, you may have to change your, your group. Find a God. I love this. He talked about mentorship. You know who really came up with the idea of mentorship? Jesus. You know what he called them? Disciples. Find someone to disciple you. Find a mentor, find a God who is further along in the faith and attach yourself to them and say, teach me. That's how you seek. Be willing to work. Christianity is not a passive group of people. It is a working group of people. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that he has already put good works ahead of us so that they're there when we get there. He expects us to work. And then understand your life depends on it. Not just this life, but life eternal depends on seeking first the kingdom of God. I don't know if this guy had that wrote this article has any spiritual nature in him whatsoever, but he hit the nail on the head. These are 10 things that if we're trying to seek the kingdom, we've got to put into our Christian DNA makeup. And when we do those things, you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to worry about the little things. We're not going to worry about the the small things that are maybe out of sorts. We're going to focus on God. We're going to know that God's going to take care of those things in our life. I can be concerned. I might even be overwhelmed. But he says, don't let that bring worry and anxiety into your life, thinking it's not going to be taken care of because God's God's going to be there. God's going to be there. Let's close with a word of prayer, and then the lesson will be yours. God, we thank you so much for the chance to come before you this morning and to sing praises to you, to to pray to you. 
to read from your word today, God. We thank you for the opportunity to study, and most importantly, God, to commune with one another as we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of your Son, who invites us into this family. God, we pray for our journey as Christians. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes we get focused on the absolute wrong things. And in those moments, help us to remember your words, the words of Jesus, to to not focus, to not invest here, but invest eternally. Send Send our thoughts, our money, our deeds, our efforts ahead of us into eternity. God, that's so hard to do, but you challenge us with that. You command that. You expect that of us. Help us to live that, God. God, we pray for those that are here this morning that are not Christians. We pray for their eternal salvation. From this list, we we hope that they understand that today they need to focus on the idea that their life depends on seeking your kingdom. And so help them to know, God, help them to understand that they need to have their sins washed away, that they need to become children of, of yours, to believe in you and to be baptized so that they can be saved, God. For those that are struggling with, with this concept of worry this morning, that are focused on the wrong things, God, help, help them to, to just step back, to take a deep breath, and to refocus on you, to, to turn back into the light as you are that light, God, and help us to walk in fellowship with you daily. Thank you for our time together this morning. May we leave here encouraged. May we leave convicted. May we leave closer to one another. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Lift us to the joy divine. Instagram. Mortals join the mighty chorus. And Twitter. Morning stars began. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.